Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. Good morning again, everyone. Welcome uh, to those of you that, that could make it out this morning, to those of you that are visiting today, and for the, the many of you that, that, are, that are joining online today, we pray uh, God's blessing on, on each of you. We're in message number three of this sermon series, seeking to renew our hearts, stir our minds on what it is that, that we're aiming at, knowing our purpose in life and our purpose as a church fuels the fire for why we do what we do and how um, we live. And we don't want to be a church that just goes through the motions, but we want to be a part of what God is doing. So today, um, we will turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. If you'd like to go ahead and turn there. And the title of the message is these three words, come and see. And you think about those three words, come. Jesus' invitation to come to him. It was Philip's invitation to Nathaniel, come and, and to, to Jesus and to see. This, this idea of making an observation. There's, there's a reason to come because there's someone to see. And when we observe him for who he is, he can transform how we think and how we live. And so I want you to think, if someone were to ask you, what do you see? What do you see when you open up your Bible or do devotionals throughout your week? What do you see? What's the, what's the, what do you point do you see in, in going to church or in, or in serving or, or in doing what you do? What would we say to them if someone said, what's the point? What, is, what do you see in it. Well, I hope today as we work through this text, there's so many different words that capture this idea of seeing. Sometimes it's the word see or, uh, or saw, I saw you. Other times it's the word behold, or someone is saying, look, fix your eyes upon this person. And other times this word is the word knew. It's, it's, it's capturing the idea of I saw you and I knew um, all about you. And so Think about this as we move through it. I'll, 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 I want to introduce kind of this way. Last weekend, my, my wonderful mother-in-law was here, and we had this little three-hour window to go out on Fontana Lake. And, of course, as soon as we got out there, um, about 20 minutes into riding around with our three boys and, and, and Jennifer, it started raining. And, and it was kind of fascinating because one side of the lake was getting a lot of rain and the other side of the lake was getting a little bit of rain. And instead of getting discouraged and going in, it was like, let's ride it out. Let's see what happens. And uh, about 45 minutes later, the, we just kept moving all over the lake trying to get away from the rain. And, and, and the sun started peeping through and we just stopped. And we said, man, we might see a rainbow. So we just huddled up on the boat and we was like, let's pray. Let's pray to see a rainbow. And the boys were, we're pulling them on the inner tube. And about 30 minutes later, I'm driving and everyone starts screaming, there it is, there it is, there it is. Look, there's the rainbow. It's kind of hard for you to see. But we, we were just screaming. And I was looking, I was like, where, where? And they were like, it's right there. And I was like, I can't see it. Where is it? And they were like, how do you not see it? It's literally right there. And this went on for like 20 seconds. And I pulled my sunglasses down. And it was just as plain as can be. And we could see where it was touching the water. And the boys were turned around on the inner tube. And they were like, oh, there it is. God answered our prayer. It was really cool. But it was fascinating. 
that right in front of me was what it was the beauty and splendor that everyone could see, but I couldn't see it because the lens that I was looking through were polarized glasses, and they were preventing me from the obvious. And sometimes that's how it is for us as the church. It's easy to go through life and, and to put on spiritual blinders, whether it's a, a religious rule that you grew up with or a cultural rule that you grew up with, or sometimes we encounter a truth in Scripture, and God's trying to say, it's right there, it's right there, and we're like, I don't get it, I can't see it. And the cry of our hearts needs to be, God, pull down the blinders, let me see what you see and, and, and what you're wanting me to discover about you. But sometimes we could flip this idea and think, now, if, if a person who was born colorblind was on the boat, what would they see? They could see the rainbow, but not the color, right? And so sometimes as a church, God is working the opposite way. Someone doesn't have the blinders on, but as the church, we're getting to try to help them to see what's the, the color and the beauty that's there. And so th there's these really neat pair of glasses that someone invented a while back. They're about $400. And maybe you've seen the videos uh, of different of, of, of children that are that are given these pair of glasses, and it's it's just remarkable. I, I saw the video a, a while back; it went viral. And there was a principal of an elementary school who was colorblind, and he found out one of his students was colorblind. And he walks into the room, and for the first time, and they videoed this, he puts these gla his glasses on this little boy, and this little boy just totally captures. The heart of what we're aiming at is the church. Only about 30 seconds, he is just filled with emotion because he is seeing what everyone around him is seeing every day. But for him, he's in awe. And this is his principle, and he just grabs him, and, and it, the little boy's dad is filming, and, and they end up raising some money, and, and he gets a pair of these glasses. And just we just pause for a moment, and we think how easy it is in life to take for granted what we see and what we get to do every day. And, and, and just and I, I just look at this little boy and I'm thinking, man, what a great lesson you're teaching all of us as he was just filled with awe and wonder as he looked upon the beauty. And so what God wants for us and what I want us to see today is as we continue to work through this sermon series and we continue to uh, reread this vision statement as a church, the, as the body of Christ, our aim is to make disciples who love and live like Jesus. My prayer for us is that this wouldn't become boring, that this would be renewing and exciting, and that each of you would continue to see yourself. When you see those five words, you would say, yeah, I'm an essential part of that body, of this body. And I'm an, I'm an essential part of what God is wanting to do to make disciples, to help people, to put on the glasses, or sometimes to take off the blinding glasses so that they can love and live like Jesus. Well, today, we, we, last week we talked about shepherding and just this big picture of how God accomplishes this task through not just the church being shepherded, but through you going, being equipped to go out and lead and feed and protect others that God has put in, in, your, in your life. Whether you're the single mom or you're the grandparent or you're, just, you're the older brother or sister, God has put people in your life to shepherd. Well, we saw that heart, we saw Jesus exhibit that heart last week. Today what we want to do is go back 
to when Jesus the good shepherd had made no disciples yet. And, and I want us to see how, I want us to look at three different individuals over a three-day period, and I want us to see what they saw so that our, our hearts and minds are stirred to, to kind of understand this is unique ways that God works to draw people to himself so that this task can begin. And so uh, what, what I want to do is I want you to imagine that you are standing in um, near the Jordan River during the time of Christ. And I want you to imagine you've heard about a person that's going all over the place preaching, and he's baptizing people, and he has a lot of followers. And his name is John, John the Baptist. And you're eager to see him because he's caught your attention, all the talk about him. And then you hear someone tell you that, well, his dad was a priest, and so he's, he's probably a pretty well-put-together guy. You know, his dad was a priest in the temple, and he's probably he's well-put-together. He probably has a really good uh, sermon outline whenever he preaches. And as you get near the Jordan River, someone tells you, yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's him right over there. And you're like, no, no, that, that, <laughs> that can't be him. That doesn't fit what is culturally acceptable uh, as far as a, a, a person that could be getting everyone ready for the Christ. He's, I mean, he's, his suit is made out of camel hair. People ride camels. He wears them. And, and, and as you get closer, he reaches into one of the pockets and he pulls out a big locust and starts munching on it for a snack. And, and you're like, well, that's, that's an odd snack. And, and maybe you get closer and you see honey caught up in his beard and, and, and his beard's pretty woolly. And, and you just, the closer you get and the more you watch, the more you think this doesn't fit the religious standard. This doesn't fit the culture, cultural standard that I grew up with. And, and, you, and you begin to listen to him. And, and really what's going on is God's trying to pull off the lens that's preventing the people from seeing what he's about to do to introduce his son to the world who's about to make disciples that are going to be a part, that are going to be the change agents of the world. So today what we're doing is we are, uh, we're going to watch God tear down these, these blind, take off these blinders. We're going to preach in a t-shirt which is not that culturally acceptable, right? We're going we're gonna to preach in blue jeans, and we're, just, and we're going to have a lot of fun with this text. And so standing on the Jordan River with your, with your Bible open to John chapter 1, looking at him, it is here that I would like to invite you to please stand with me in reverence and honor for the reading of God's holy, inerrant, inspired, infallible word, beginning in verse 29. The Bible says the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. And we pray that the, the, the 
how today is kind of different wouldn't be a distraction to what you're wanting us to see. So we're asking your spirit to guide us into all truth. We're asking you to illuminate the text and let us see it alive as it really is. And open up our eyes, tear down blinders where they need to be torn down. And and help us to put on a colorful lens in areas where we see gray, but we need to see color. Bless your church body, both those that are here and those that are watching at home. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So you're standing there. John makes John the Baptist makes this announcement. And you, you think, man, he's really wanting me to fix my eyes on that guy. And he's recognizing that man not, not as a king, not, not, not necessarily as, as the king of kings. He recognizes him as a lamb. Well, lambs die. Lambs, lambs don't grow up to be kings that rule and reign like everybody else is going to expect. Um, Jesus to do and to be in the next three and a half years of his ministry. But he says, this lamb takes away the sin of the world. Well, lambs in the temple atone for sin. Lambs cover up your sin. John says, this lamb is going to take it away. He's going to remove it as far as the east is from the west. So he should have everyone's attention. So now as we work through this, here's what I would like for you to do. I would like for you to stir your heart and your mind on these three words as we move through this three-day period and look at a few of these guys. What does it mean for us to live in constant awe of God? To see, to see him for who he is as John did, but to let that captivate us day in and day out. But then to let it move us into not just a purpose, but an awesome purpose purpose. Not just a church life or a, or a Christian life where we kind of do what you're supposed to do. You know, you re, we read our, we're supposed to read our Bible and read our devotionals and sing Christian songs and do good things, but that we would wake up each day because we're in awe of God and see like, man, God has given me an awesome purpose to live out my faith today. And then thirdly, I've misspelled the word authentic. But then you think about this. Isn't it true that we love relationships that are real? Isn't it true that a relationship can only go so deep if I'm pretending to be something to you that I'm really not, and you're pretending to be something to me that I, that you're really not? Our relationship's kind of limited, right? Social media really lets people do that today. You can only you can post the best pictures, you can really fancy them up before you post them and make them look way more epic than they really are. You can do lots of things to present yourself or myself in a way that it's not the real thing. And so we think about this idea of why we value authentic relationships. And then we think as a church how God wants us to be so in awe of Him that our our relationships with one another are authentic. That the reason our relationships can go deep and be open and honest is not because we're just good moral people. But because of who He is and what He's doing, we can talk with one another about how are you doing what are you learning? How can I pray for you? How's marriage? How are, you, how, how are you getting through this week with parenting your kiddos? And we can be real with one another. We'll see all of that as we work through this text today. So when we come back to the passage, why did John recognize Jesus the way that he did? 
Well, verse 32 tells us what he saw. John was seeing something that no one else was seeing while he was standing in the water. He saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and sitting or remaining or maybe hovering above Jesus. Well, through John's prayer time at some point in the past, the text goes on to tell us God told him, this is how you're going to recognize the Messiah. And so can you imagine every day being John, you're out there baptizing, don't see a dove. You're out there baptizing, where is it at? Oh, didn't see it today, maybe I missed it, you know, tomorrow and the next day. Can you imagine? What was it like? What, what would John's face have looked like when he saw what the text says he's seen? Do you think he would have been in awe? Do you think he would have been like speechless? Maybe like the little boy? Do you, do you, now, when you think about what John saw, it's no wonder John said what he said. Now think of this. When John says, behold... The word means everybody look at that guy, not me. Everybody gaze upon him because I'm seeing something that you're not, but I'm going to point you to the who because of what I'm seeing. Now, this is, this is so fascinating. Your devotional time, what you're learning in church or Sunday school or life group as we begin to launch those back off or maybe in your own personal quiet time, Sometimes isn't just for you. Sometimes God is revealing something to you personally to get you ready to say something or share something or proclaim something with someone else later on in your day. That's, the, that's this big idea of being in awe and then finding your purpose is awesome. God, I mean, this is just so awesome to get to be the first person to say, everybody look, that's the Lamb of God. He's, he's going to take away our sin and just all eyes are now fixed on Jesus. But then, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us in John 1 what else really happened that day. We know in the other Gospels that Jesus come into the water. He was baptized. The Father speaks out from heaven. This is my son, whom I'm well pleased. John goes right on to the next day, the Gospel of John, to really tell us something else happened. The next day, John the Baptist and two of his disciples are standing there somewhere. And they look at, at Jesus as he walks by. And now John the Baptist says again, behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples of John the Baptist heard him. And now look what happened. Those bottom four words. They left John the Baptist to go follow Jesus. This is fascinating. This is one of the many ways that you know that John the Baptist was authentic. He was incredibly popular. Yeah, that feeds the ego a little bit, don't it? He, he, people were coming from everywhere to see him. They were talking about him. He had no problem passing on two of his own disciples that he was shepherding on to Jesus. So they left him and they go fo follow. Now, this is fascinating. As a church, sometimes... When we think about this whole idea that we're, our aim is to make disciples, one of the neat things that happens is other people come here from other churches and they settle in. And as a church, we get to pick up where another church left off. Isn't that, it's, it's amazing. So here's two guys that start following Jesus. John's not jealous. John's not fighting them. And he's like, yeah, go. 
go. That, I mean, he's, 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 the, he's the one. And so as a church, I'm reminded, we're not competing. We're not trying to outdo anybody or compare ourselves to another church. We're just wanting to be a part of whatever God is doing in the lives of individuals as they come in and as they go out. But something else that happens later on that's really neat, it's in John 3. Jesus and his disciples are actually baptizing people. It's actually his, his disciples later on. And, and some of John the Baptist's disciples come to John the Baptist and say, Look, 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 there's more people going after Jesus than us. And John the Baptist says this, this fascinating statement in John 3. He's like, look, that's why I came. He must increase but I must decrease. What, what John was seeing with eyes that God wants all of us to see. It's not about me. And it's not about you. And for those of you that are joining today, we've been having fun in the last couple of weeks talking about how this isn't my church. This isn't your church or our church. This is Jesus' church. And we want him to increase and us to decrease. John was authentic. But now... On day number two, I want you to think about this guy named Andrew. So one of the two disciples that left John the Baptist and went to Jesus was Andrew. The other one was most likely John, the author of the Gospel of John, that would be a disciple of Jesus. But right now, I want you to think about Andrew. So Andrew leaves and the other disciple. Jesus turns and, and sees them falling behind. Maybe they're being kind of sneaky. And Jesus asked this four this four worded question. What do you what do you seek? What is it you are looking for? I see you looking at me. I see you following me. But what is it that you're really looking for? What do you want to see? And now, of all the things to say, how would you answer that question? I mean, you're with Jesus. I mean, he's been identified as the Lamb of God. Well, they say, or Andrew says, you know. I really just want to know where you live. If I could just see where you live, that would just make, you know, that's on my bucket list. I mean, it's kind of an odd thing to say. I just want to see where you live. But watch how Jesus answers. Come and see. Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now watch. The word that is translated here for, for see is this, this word, I do. It, it, it doesn't mean just, I want you to come look at my home and look at my bed and then go on about your way. Go back to John the Baptist. The, the, the word literally means come and see, but discover for yourself more of me. And so look, they came and saw, but then they remained with him. They, they stayed with him. And, and this, there's this beautiful picture here. Of when we're opening up the Word of God, God isn't just saying, "Look, look, look." I want you, I want you to, I want you to read the Word and check it off your checklist today, and get, store up some more knowledge so you can win the next argument about the end times and and what. I want you to see me and be in awe of me, and I want I want your devotional time to now cause you to, to go about your day knowing that I'm with you and you're with me. Let's go and be a part of the awesome purpose that I've called you to today. So they came and they saw, but something happened with Andrew. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Something happened with Andrew before the day ended because what John, the Gospel of John, goes on to tell us is he made a realization. 
he saw what John the Baptist was seeing, and he could, he could only think to do one thing. He went and found his brother Simon Peter. He went and found his brother Simon Peter in verse 41 and said to him five words, <clears throat> we found the Messiah. Do you think that's how he said it? If you have a boring view of God, that's how we read it. Then he went and found Simon and said, we, hey, we, we found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Verse 43. What I want to encourage us to do, especially when you're reading out loud or reading to your kids or reading to other people, read it and ask God to open up our eyes to see wonderful things. We can't see Andrew, but we can, with our imagination, see Andrew and hear Andrew come to Peter. I don't know how far away Peter was from where Jesus and Andrew was. Peter! We found the Messiah. We found him. Like, what was it about Andrew's conversation with his brother, Peter? I mean, really, some of you have brothers and sisters here. There's like a pile of you right there, right? What would it take for your brother or sister to convince you of something to be true that at first it sounds not so much true, right? And so we could at least step back and say, man, Andrew was in awe. Andrew left where he was and he went. Andrew had an, he, he, he had an awesome purpose. He's like, man, if I can just go find one person, I'm going to go find my brother. And, and Andrew must have been authentic. He was believable enough for Peter to say, okay, take me to him. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes as a church, People hear that term, making disciples, and maybe they, they grew up, and that, that term was really never used, and they, they read the KJV version of Matthew 28, which says teach instead of making disciples. And maybe that, word, that phrase is foreign to a lot of people. That's understandable. It was to me. I was like, what are you talking about, making disciples? And, and just, you know, years ago. And, but here's, a, here's, here's what people will sometimes say. If that's all you do as a church, you don't ever evangelize. See, you, you've, you've gotten so focused on, on, on studying the Bible that you don't ever go out and evangelize. Well, right here is just a primary example of why we want to make disciples. Making disciples cultivates the awe of who God is, stirs up the awesome purpose God has called us to do, moves us into relationships that aren't fake but are authentic. And, and, and the overflow is, is, is you and me compelled to go out and talk with people about Jesus. It's, this is evangelism one-on-one -on -one right here. I just want to go tell someone that I have a relationship with who Jesus is and what he's doing in my life right now. Could you do that? My great, one of my greatest desires is that every Sunday the outflow of this church body would just be people that are, yes, we're imperfect. Sometimes we preach in t-shirts. Sometimes we, we may look or act a little odd like John the Baptist. But we're learning and growing and we're discovering and we're seeing God in a way that we just want to share him with other people. Because Peter saw something in his brother that said, okay, all right. I, I am, it, it, I, I'm going to go check him out. It's Corona season, and, and this, this, you know, th this season of life just continues to affect your school, your sports, your job. It, you know, it's even affected, to a degree, Sunday morning today. How do we not let 
the things that are happening all around us in the difficulties of our day and, and, and that, are, that are happening in our life to cause us to miss seeing what Jesus is, is saying. I, you got to see this. I want you to see this in your day. Well, let's go on to this third person on day number three. On day number three, we, we, we come into, into contact with one more guy, Nathaniel. And, he, and, and this is just so powerful. This new guy named Philip is introduced to the scene. And all we know about Philip is Philip is from the same town, Bethsaida, that, that uh, Andrew and Peter are from. And at some point in between day two and day three, Jesus went and found Philip and said, follow me. And, and Philip said, I'm on board. He probably had a conversation with Andrew. Maybe Andrew witnessed to him first. We don't know. But Philip is in awe. Philip goes and finds Nathaniel, and he says to him, we found him, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, here's what's interesting about Nathaniel. Do you have, friend, you have people in your life that are a little skeptical? You have people in your life that are, are a little bit like, all right, you, you do your Jesus thing. I'm going to kind of stand here and watch. Maybe you have people in your life that are a little bit skeptical of coming to church or, or, or reading a Bible that's not KJV or maybe playing a worship song instead of a hymnal song. That's okay. The relationship is what's so key here. But what we can observe from this text is Philip is fired up about who Jesus is and who, how he's come to know him on day number three. So much that he's like, man, I gotta, I gotta, go, I gotta go find Nathaniel. He's my buddy. I gotta go to this relationship and I, and I gotta tell him. But Nathaniel's response is a very familiar response. Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now that was, I mean, if you're, if you're Jesus and you, got, and you get your feelings hurt easily, you know, that, that, would be, that would be the ultimate, that one touched me. Thankfully, Jesus is bigger than that. And, and, and just, you know, can anything good come out of Robbinsville? We're pretty small. We're, we're, we're segregated from a lot of the other, separated from a lot of the other things that go on in the natural world. But during this time frame, Galilee was up where the, of course, where the region of the Sea of Galilee was. And Judea was down here. Galileans had a reputation of being kind of a little less on the cool scale than Judeans. But the thing is, is once you went up into Galilee, the little town of Nazareth was like the worst part of the region of Galilee. It was kind of looked down upon. It was despised and rejected. Isn't there a prophecy about, about, about the Messiah being despised and rejected? Isaiah 53. And so when he hears about Jesus... Philip has the all. You, you know he does. Philip is living with an awesome purpose on, on day one. He's fired up. I mean, you know, so, some of you got baptized a couple weeks ago. Maybe you're fired up to call Aunt Sue or Uncle Tom or tell your friend at school, man, I got baptized. I trusted the gospel and I got baptized. And they looked at you like, well, what's the big deal? Just water. You know, so Philip's fired up, but it's not, Nathaniel's not buying into it. Sometimes you have friends like that. That's okay. Cultivate the relationship. But watch how Jesus participates with Philip and, and, and does something extraordinary to help Nathaniel see. So Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I'm not, I'm, I'm not buying into it. You're all giddy. I don't, 
come and see. Sometimes the invitation is, you know what? Just come, come to church with me one Sunday. Come, come, come to my life group and hang out with me. You know what? Just come over to my home and just sit with me and my family or my friends and watch how we interact and, uh, interact and watch, the, watch how we share life together. We're not here to attack you or judge you or beat you up. We're here to invite you to a relationship. And so what's, what's amazing is Jesus comes over to Nathaniel, and the first thing Jesus says is, Behold, look! Every, you know, John the disciple is there, Andrew's there, Peter's there, and Philip's there. We at least know they're there. And Jesus says, Well, look at this guy, old Nathaniel. Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit, verse 47. In other words, Nathaniel, I know that you are a descendant of Jacob. Remember, Jacob's name was, was changed to Israel, when, when the, and that's where the Israel, uh, Israel nation, the nation of Israel gets its name. And Jacob was a deceiver. And so this is Jesus, this is a really fascinating way of Jesus to say, look, 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 you're a descendant of Jacob the deceiver, but in you is no, de no deceit, my friend. You're the real deal. Your integrity means something to you. Doing what's right in life means something to you. And so Jesus just speaks into his heart and into his life. Philip didn't do anything. And that can, I, I want to I believe that that can happen every single Sunday in Sunday school classes and Kids for Christ at church, that Jesus can speak into people's lives without us doing anything but just talking about the Word and talking about Him. And Nathaniel says in verse 48, well, hey, how'd you know me? How, how did you know that about me? And Jesus starts calling to memory something that we know must be very significant to Nathaniel. He begins to paint this picture of a time, perhaps a couple days ago, when Nathaniel was under the fig tree. We don't know what was going on in Nathaniel's life. But we know it had to have been significant enough that, that for Jesus to recall it opened up his eyes. Grabbed his attention, which is what Jesus wants us to do, is to come and see. And Jesus says, look, look before Philip ever went and found you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, think about this. When you're going through a difficult time in life, and it's all harbored in, it's just, it's just you, and you feel alone, and you feel like there's no one to talk to. You, you, you know, middle school or high school just started, college just started, and she's like, I'm out here by myself, and, and just no one knows what's happening to me at school. Yeah, you know, marriage just kicked off a year or two ago, and no one knows how tough it really is at times. We were just raised different, and it, it's challenging. You're, you're dating, and you're, you're hoping to get married one day, but no one understands how hard it is to make this rela relationship to ha happen. Families make it difficult. Maybe sometimes you started a job, and just that first week or that first month at work is just, it's difficult. Sometimes God wants us to stop. And just hear his voice and just hear him say, I see you. I'm the God who sees. And if you will understand that I'm the God who sees, you will see me. 
with a whole different set of lenses. You will see me in a way that helps, that moves your heart. You will see me in a way that knows I'm a heavenly father that wants to nurture you and walk with you through this. I see what you're going through. And so Nathaniel, whatever it does, whatever happened under that tree, God pulled a heartstring and he responds in awe and he says, You're the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. You know what we want to do as a church? We want people to know you're not alone. We're, we're all here trying to share life together. We want to walk through life with you. We want to pray with you. Sometimes we just pray over the phone, don't we? And sometimes we huddle up in corners inside or outside and we just pray. Sometimes we meet at, at 11 o'clock in midnight because things are going on in your life. We want to be a church that participates with God and what's going on in people's lives. And, and Nathaniel says, or Jesus said to Nathaniel, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe now? And this is Jesus' really fun way of saying this. Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than these. As a church, I want us to believe and never stop believing that God wants to keep opening up our eyes, whether it's taking the lens off to see the rainbow, whether it's putting colorful glasses on to take a dark and black and gray moment and see color and light and see God in the storm. I want us to never stop believing. God wants us to see greater things as a church body. And when this is happening in our lives, it's contagious. It's a good contagious. It's not a corona contagious. It's a good contagious. People will want to come and see, tell me what's going on in your marriage, in your relationships. I want to know. I, I mean, would, let's just ask this. Would somebody be surprised this week if you had an extra skip in your step and a smile on your face and some motivation at, at school or in your job? Maybe, maybe there's a teenager out there. And man, you don't have school for the next two weeks. And this is a time when you just really drag your feet. Your sports have been taken away. What if today God was saying, no, 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 no. you got to see me in the midst of this because I see what you're going through. But I've got things to show you during this season of life. So I want to close by just simply asking, what do you see when you come to church when you wake up in your day, when you open up your Bible, do, do you look in the mirror or do you look at your life and just see all the flaws and all the failures and you thumb through social media and you see, man, I don't look like her and I sure ain't fit like him and my marriage ain't happy like that one is and my kids are not turning out like that one is and this person goes here on vacation and they own this thing and I just see all the places I come up short. Maybe that was what was going on with Nathaniel, since he was such a man of integrity. Over there, under the fig tree, whatever it is, as a church, we want to say, we're on a mission. And this is our vision. And we want to help you and everyone to see, man, God has plenty for us to be in awe of. God has an awesome purpose that he's called you to, and we want to do it together. And we want authentic relationships with you in this church body. Until he comes, that's what we're going after. Let's pray. Father, it is here that we just thank you that you, the God of the universe, would invite us to come to you to see, to have our eyes opened, 
to behold you for who you are. And you can say to us, there's a lot more where that came from. Would you speak today through your word and by your spirit to each and every person and as a church, continue to help us to move forward in the mission that you've called us to. Give us eyes to see greater things. It is in Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people said, Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.